It may be just a couple of days past Christmas, but the season of giving is not over as we are back here with a bonus episode of First Draft. The man who you could listen to talk about draft prospects every day of the year, definitely a couple of days after the Christmas, is of course Mel Kuyper Jr. How are you, my friend? Good. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope everybody had a great Christmas. New Year coming up. A lot of bowl games have been played. A lot of bowl games still to be played. And we obviously look forward now to the playoffs, which we have the semifinals coming up and the NFL season to wind down and a lot of movement in terms of draft boards field. So it's going to be fun. We're going to talk a lot about quarterbacks today. They're going to be front and center. Uh, yep. At least one will be uh, you know, coming up in the semifinal playoff game. And I'm going to be keeping a close eye on it. I know you will be, will be as well. So it's an opportunity for a lot of these kids to enhance their draft rating or in some cases maybe slide back a bit. No question about it, Mel. And by the way, the end of the football regular season in some ways feels like we are decompressing. And then in other ways, we're accelerating, right? Because this is sort of like the unofficial start of the draft season for many people. Not you, of course, as you have been living and breathing this world for the past 46 years. But uh, many people will be joining the conversation in the NFL draft process very soon here. So we are hoping that today can help give them a bit of a crash course on the quarterbacks. That's going to be the focus for us today, Mel. Of course, we'll talk about the quarterbacks all the way until the NFL draft begins because they always are the position that moves the needle the most. What we decided to do, though, for today is we are going to dive in your top 10-ish quarterbacks, and some we can discuss more than others, Mel. We can also make some notes about players that we forecast actually coming out in the draft, others that we think might wind up staying in school, players like Shador Sanders and Quinn Yours, who may have been first-round picks if they had entered the draft this year, sound like they're headed back to Colorado and Texas, respectively. They will be prominently involved in the 2025 conversation. Let's kick this off, Mel. Number one on your quarterback board is no surprise. It's Caleb Williams. I don't think I need to ask you too much about Caleb Williams, but I will ask you this. Do you believe there's anything that can be done between now and the start of the NFL draft that in your eyes would lift somebody else above Caleb Williams? It's a great question, Field. It's still to be determined. Do I think it's a chance? I'll tell you, and I'll give you a guy that people wouldn't think is, it's Jane Daniels. Mm. I think he's the most intriguing player in this draft because he's a quarterback, and that's the most important position on the football team. And in sports, really, is is the quarterback in the National Football League. And Jaden's got everything it takes. Jaden's had a remarkable year. Um, you know, you think about Drake May. Drake didn't have that wow year. He had some games where he was a little off target and wasn't playing his best football, particularly the Virginia game and the NC State game. And for Caleb, Caleb had that big hiccup against Notre Dame. And that's the game really late in the year he wasn't on point. And that's, I think, a little bit of a concern in terms of holding off a guy like Jane Daniels, who's been red hot when they needed him the most. He didn't have those hiccups. He didn't have those games where he said, hmm, a little too high on him. Yeah. What I'm saying is, am I worried, do I have him too far down the board? Should, should I have had him up there? Why didn't I? I got to go back to the drawing board. I kept moving up. I have him right now at number four on the big board. Uh, yeah, he could overtake Drake May. Could he overtake Caleb Williams? I think it's possible in some yeah. people's minds. Field, Jaden Daniels could overtake Caleb Williams. It's not going to be a a lot talking about. Oh, it's Caleb only, and everybody else is battling for that second spot. I really do think Jaden Daniels is heavily in the discussion to be the first pick overall. Obviously, then be QB number one in this draft. Yeah, it would be an amazing rise for him, given how far he has come, not just this season, but from the beginning of his college career at Arizona State. You know, He was a touted player who's played a ton of games, obviously, Mel. But I think if you watched him at the beginning of his Arizona State career, you probably didn't think number one overall pick good, but he has improved 
dramatically. He really improved even not just from the start of this year to the end of this year, but from the day that he walked onto LSU's campus, he's an entirely different player. And I was thinking about this, Mel, as I was watching Monday Night Football and the Baltimore Ravens, who, of course, now own the NFL's best record. If this team continues on the trajectory that I expect it to continue, if we've only got two regular season weeks left, if Lamar Jackson wins the MVP this year, Mel, I think it will remind people of why Jaden Daniels might merit number one overall pick or at least number two overall pick consideration. Because as you're watching this game on Monday night, Mel, this 49ers team that I would say, maybe other than the Ravens, is as fast as any defense in the entire NFL. Even that defense with all pros at all three levels, had no answer for Lamar Jackson on the unscripted stuff, right? It's all well and good if you have a great plan pre-snap. Once the ball is snapped, anything can happen when a quarterback is as mobile as Lamar Jackson is. And I don't think that Jaden Daniels is quite on Lamar's level, but Lamar might be the most athletic quarterback we've ever seen, right? But he is the only quarterback in this class that can legitimately impact the game in a dual threat manner that is in the same zip code as Lamar Jackson. So, I think, can we at least agree on this part, Mel, that while it may end up being Caleb Williams' number one overall, that would probably be the the, the prevailing thought now and all the way up until the draft. There's at least a conversation surrounding three quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Day. We can at least land there for now. No doubt. No doubt. And to your point about Lamar, Lamar, John Harborough always says is unique. And when you, you take that snap, you don't know as a defensive player where the ball's going. You don't know where Lamar's going. You have no clue. And if we have him defense, he's going to evade any route and run past you. And toy, they say toy with a defense. He really does toy with a defense. What did Jaden Daniels do with college defense this year? He toyed with those defenses. Field. Now, will he do the same in the NFL? He certainly has the skill set to do it. He's the closest thing I've seen. He has the height. He, uh, forget the, the frame. He's put weight on that frame. He said he's 206 now. His arm strength is more than adequate. He's got a good, well, his arm, arm strength. His arm strength, he gets ball at any point on the field. He's accurate. Uh, what he did in terms of not turning the ball over was remarkable to me because when you can play, not reckless, but play aggressive and not turn it over, that speaks volumes. It's a tough balance. Uh, that's a tightrope there. It's tough to, to, to balance that out, to be aggressive running, take shots down the field, yet don't turn it over. And he did. Sure. So for me, and I've heard this, I, we all talk to our friends in the league, right? Yeah. And Jane Daniels is red hot. And for mm-hmm. people to think that Caleb Williams is the only quarterback that could be QB1 in this draft, they're wrong. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean he won't be. But there's by no means everybody in the league is Caleb Williams is the guy and nobody else can touch him. Uh-uh. That's completely false. Let's eliminate that right now. Because I'm hearing Jaden Daniels a lot. And uh, yeah, and I don't want to overreact to things now. We're only still in December. We're not to the new year yet. We still have all January, all of February, all of March, and all of April. Sure. We've got a long way to go, right? Yeah. But don't think for a minute this is not going to be a more than a uh, one horse. This is going to be a three horse race, could be a two horse race. By the end time we get to April, who knows what's going to happen? And we have teams that are deciding, which is going to make it really fascinating feel. Yeah. The Chicago Bears. We talk, we're trying to figure out, is it Caleb, Drake, or Jaden? They're trying to figure out, is it Justin or Caleb, yeah. Drake, or, or, or Jaden, right? Because they have a decision to make. And then you think Arizona has a decision to make. Washington's going to be sitting there looking at the quarterback. I thought they should have taken two or Herbert when they came out. So you better get the quarterback, and you're going to have teams at top. New England now way up there at four. So you have one, two, three, and four. 
certainly three of those four. Kyler, I think, is certainly the quarterback at Arizona. I would go that route. Justin now, because of the way he's playing field, is going to make Ryan Poles think long and hard about yeah. what should we do? Take a chance on this unknown coming out of college who looks good, but he's had some hiccups. Or do we stick with Justin Fields, who was already shown on the right day? With the right and again, is the is the infrastructure around him good enough right now? Some think sure. it's not. Some people close to we had Greg Gabriel came on the Darian Mel show Saturday. He covers the Bears. He's been in the NFL. He's been to four Super Bowls as a personnel director. He's a couple Super Bowl rings. He thinks Justin Fields is the right man for the job. So again, that's something we're going to be watching very closely, not only evaluating these rookies, but seeing what these teams do in terms of the guys they already have playing that position. It's a, it's a great thought all the way around, Mel. Uh, the last thing that I will add to these three quarterbacks for right now, because I can guarantee anybody that is listening or watching, because we are, of course, now on YouTube as well here at the First Draft Podcast, is you can make a case for each of these three players sort of boosting his stock over the next four months. I think the path for Caleb Williams is fairly straightforward, Mel. It's you look at what I've done for the past three seasons in college football, and there's been no better quarterback, and my talent, my ceiling is higher than anybody else's in this class. For Drake May, while it was an average season this year relative to the standard he set a year prior, Drake May could easily have one of the great combine throwing workouts that we have seen in the past half decade. He is a strike throwing six foot four, 230, looks like he was built, born to play quarterback type of prospect. And with Jaden Daniels, Mel, for all the great stuff he's done so far, can you imagine how different the conversation will be if he runs 4-3-6 in Indianapolis at the Combine? I mean, we would be we would be talking about, even if it's 4-3-9, whatever, 4-4-0, we'd be saying to ourselves, are we looking at Lamar Jackson light? And if Lamar wins the MVP or the Ravens win the Super Bowl, you know what this league is. It's a copycat league, and people are going to want to find themselves the next Lamar Jackson. And you have to have the patience and the resourcefulness to build an offense around a quarterback who plays that dual threat style like the Ravens have done to their credit. And that might be part of the equation with Jaden Daniels as well. But if you can't find out a way to build a great offense around a player with that kind of skill set, that might be more of a you problem than it is the prospect problem. It's going to be a no fun, question, fun race. No yeah. questions, Field. And also, just one other thing about Drake, and we've touched on it, is the new coordinator this year and new receivers. And you think about Tez Walker not being there in yep. the season. He didn't have Josh Downs. He didn't have those guys. So you think about where we are right in green as well, both in the NFL. So you think about Drake. I don't like to make excuses, but when you don't have the, we have a new coordinator, new system, and new entities around you, and you thought Tez was going to be the guy Walker to NCA, he said, "No, you got to wait a while, right?" Why yeah. not? That's that's a factor. I think when you look at where we are right now with the evaluation of the quarterbacks, and we talked about, you know, what will you do at the combine? Remember Lamar. Play, show, show us a little bit of a wide receiver. Uh, I know. Some people yeah. thought he was good. Well, that, he said, no, 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 I'm a quarterback, right? Yeah. Well, a lot of teams weren't that high on Lamar Jackson. He was the 32nd pick overall. Barely made it in the first day, right? Yeah. The Ravens traded in there, got their quarterback. Josh Rosen went way ahead of Lamar Jackson. Think about that, field. All right. Now, you go to where we are right now with Jaden. If you're Jaden, do you say, leave it to your imagination? Hmm. Yeah. Whatever you think my 40 is, right. if, I'm, yeah. running up, I'm running on that football field. I don't see anybody catching me. Say, go watch the Florida game. Go watch the Missouri game. Down. Yeah, let's, totally. Let, let, let's estimate what you think my 40 time is because I'm not running. Yeah. I'm hey, running. ask Nick Saban what he thinks it is, right? Because he ran for 160 plus against yeah. that Crimson Tide defense. Why give him a number, know. Field? Why totally. give him a number? That's a great point. It's a great I it, point. I wouldn't get mad at yeah. you because guess what? Whatever you yeah. give may not be. 
four five one. He's slow. Four yeah. four one. I thought four four two. I thought he was four three three. Now I yeah. wouldn't give a number. Heck yeah. with it. Yeah. No. Guess what? You know? All these quarterbacks have come out recent years. We don't even know what their forty time is. That's right. No, no. That's right. Yeah, I'll tell you, the only t- people that want Jaden Daniels to not show up to Indianapolis are those picking like from six to call it 15 who might need a quarterback but aren't currently in a position to get one because these three guys could all easily go inside the top five. So we think we have an established trio at the very top men. We'll continue to debate one versus two versus three and maybe more specifically two versus three, Caleb versus Jaden, Jaden versus Caleb. Both players are awesome. Um, excuse me, Jaden versus Drake, Drake versus Jaden, you know, two uh, to me, the top five players in the class, but it might be a little bit of what you prefer in a quarterback. We'll decide on who that quarterback two is at a later date, but it gets really fascinating beyond that, Mel. And I don't know if we can call it a drop-off in the sense that there is a chance that whoever the fourth quarterback taken is, because of the way the NFL functions, might go in the top 10 picks, right? That's what has happened. You think about the year. I mean, I, I always point to this year, whether it's fair or not, the Jake Locker and Christian Ponder year, right? Ponder year, where it's like, you know, four quarterbacks in the top 12, more because of need as opposed to because of value. So while a player who's the fourth quarterback in this class may not go that much further behind one of the three that we have already discussed, you feel it's accurate right now to say there's a pretty big drop from quarterback three to quarterback four, or am I putting words in your mouth? I'd say right now, Field, for me, there's a little bit of a drop. Will there be after the semifinal game, uh-huh. the championship yeah. game with J.J. McCarthy? I don't think there's a bigger stage. I don't think there's a big, a more important game for a player mm-hmm. than this semifinal game against that Alabama defense of Nick Saban. When you give Nick Saban a month to get ready for a team that doesn't have their best offensive lineman now in Zach Center, hurt in the Ohio yeah. State game, unfortunately, uh, you know, awful injury to see. Uh, Zach, you know, had a certainly a second round grade. He's their best offensive line, and he's not going to be yeah. obviously there. So you take that player off the line. They don't have a true go-to elite number one receiver. I like Roman mm-hmm. Wilson, but he's not an elite yep. number one. It's like a third or fourth you round know? pick, probably, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So there's nobody close to a Romo Dunze yep. or or Malik Neighbors. I don't even want to talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. Nobody close to any of those guys, right? Then you say, okay. What did he do in college? Well, did he have a wow game in college? I nope. didn't find it. I don't know if you did feel I went to a lot of games. I Because they were carried by their O-line in their running game. Yeah. And J.J. just had to manage things. And we only remember, I said this last week on the Darian Mel show, we, we think with, with J.J. interceptions, but he doesn't throw them at a high rate. But his interceptions that we remember were the two pick sixes in the semifinal game last year against TCU and the one before the half against Maryland and the three mm-hmm. against Bowling Green early in the year. Yep. Outside of that field, find me some interception over the last two years. Outside of that, but they're memorable interceptions, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. he completes a high percentage this year. He's able to run. He's tough. He's aggressive. He's super competitive. He's an unbelievable kid. He's going to be receptive to coaching and all this. So, again, I think there's teams are going to fall in love with J.J. McCarthy if he plays well. He didn't have to play great. But if he plays well against Alabama and that Nick Saban defense, and by the way, lost seven of their top eight tacklers to the NFL. Okay, seven of their top eight and their quarterback and their receiver and their tight end and three offensive linemen. It's remarkable mm-hmm. that Alabama's in this game. Maybe the That's best job of Nick Saban's career. career. Yep. The, uh, best coaching job of his career. And he's so, so to me, J.J. McCarthy, to go back to your original question, is the quarterback that could cement, cement that four spot. Okay. Yeah. It, written in pencil if he has some struggles because then with an eraser, you could be looking at Michael Penix Jr. He does really well against Texas and moves on or a a Bo Nix yeah. in that discussion. So then JJ can open the door for those two, but he can also cement it if he plays well. It's a great, so 
here's what I would say about JJ McCarthy. We're actually going to spend the the last portion of the show, time permitting, sort of overviewing a few prospects that have yet to play in their bowl games that we look forward to watching. Uh, because of the way that bowl games work these days, Mel, all the mine are from the college football playoff because you could tell me that a guy who's supposed to play in the 29th is going to opt out. It wouldn't surprise me at all, right? Yeah. And that, that's what happens. That? That's college football in 2023 and soon to be 2024. There is not a player that I have heard more divisive opinions on than J.J. McCarthy in sort of soliciting opinions from people around the NFL. Because everything, you know, the best case scenario for J.J. is a guy whose ball placement is terrific, handles the football extremely well. He's very careful for the most part. Uh, he has a very, very good athlete. He can do some real damage with his legs. If you are looking to have him operate within the system that you have set up, he can probably operate that system fairly decently. Not a huge arm. And to your point, What's the signature game? We all thought Penn State or Ohio State this year could be the showcase for J.J. McCarthy. This is not a J.J. McCarthy thing because he does not call the plays, Mel. He had 23 total completions for 208 yards and one passing touchdown in those two games. There was a stretch against Penn State where Michigan ran the football 26 straight plays. 26. It's crazy. So if they have to throw it because they're playing from behind against Alabama or they just can't get any movement in the running game against Alabama, then it's going to show us something about J.J. McCarthy. And if they win the College Football National Championship, and of course, they're the number one ranked team in the country, that's very plausible, Mel. It's going to boost the draft stock of J.J. McCarthy because I don't think they can win a game, especially if they make it to this to the finals, because we know Texas and Washington can play a ton of offense. J.J. McCarthy will be a big reason why they win it. His stock will go way up. But if they go one and done and they lose humbly to Alabama, JJ McCarthy could be one of the great wild cards. He might even go back to he might come back to school, right? I mean, that's how much of a of a wild card he feels like to me right now. Yeah, a couple of things there. Their offensive line's going to lose some players. Obviously, yep. Roman Wilson moving one, Blake Corum running back. We'll have to see about Donovan Edwards, the other running back. Then you think about Jim Harbaugh. Will he be in the NFL? What's going to happen there? JJ McCarthy field, I know you're aware of it. he's only 20 years of age as we yep. speak right now. He's 20. Yeah. Okay. 20 years of age. I think there's 21 in February. Middle of February, yep. so yeah, he's a, he'll be 21 on draft day, a young 21, 20 years old right now, playing in this, this huge game. So uh, it is. I think there's no player we're all going to be watching any more closely because we're going to watch them all. But we will be looking at this as a determination game, I guess you yep. would call it. You know, yeah. the statement game, determination game as to where we factor him in, not only in terms of his fourth quarterback, but where does he rate on our overall top 150, top 200 board? Yep. So I've said, we, we both said this, I think, that I don't know that any player has done more to increase his draft stock based off of his play on the field this season than Jaden Daniels. Not far behind him, though, is Michael Penix from Washington, who has been unbelievable and was a Heisman Trophy finalist, finished second in that award behind Jaden, of course. Washington is playing in the college football playoff. They're undefeated still, face some legit competition. And there's a lot to like about Michael Penix Jr., how firmly is he holding on to that quarterback five spot for you right now? And I say quarterback five, not based off of where you think he'll go because teams might have a need, but based off where you would grade him on average. Does that mean, do you have him as like a late first round pick, a second round pick? Where does Michael Penix Jr. fit in in your mind right now? I'd say second round for Mayfield. Uh, I, there's a lot to like about Michael Penix Jr., uh, staying healthy was important for a two-year period, not just a one-year period, because that was the biggest concern coming from Indiana with all the injuries he sustained yeah. there and not being able to finish a year out. Uh, yeah, the way he throws the football to all levels. Now, he did have some great receivers to throw to and a pretty good line, and Dylan Johnson emerged from Mississippi State transfer as a heck of a running back. Sure. So I think there are some things to really like about Michael Penix Jr. 
Uh, I think the durability is always going to be in the back of your mind. Late in the year, he wasn't quite as accurate as he, he was a little off on some throws where he had missed. Yeah, some of the throws he missed, he wasn't missing early in midseason. So that may be something people maybe you look at and overanalyze a bit. I think he's a quarterback that once you get him, competitive kid. I mean, you know, Kalen DeBoer and was at Indiana, that course, what he did with him at, at Washington. These kids kind of rally around him. There's a lot to like. But I, I think I mean, when, when we get to late April, I would probably see right now, if I had to have a crystal ball, I would say Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix both go in round two. Yeah. And I think on Michael Penix Jr., this is something that you and I don't have any control over, Mel. And it's not something that you and I necessarily have a major opinion on. But teams are either going to be comfortable with the medicals or they're not. He's had four season-ending injuries. Four. Now, not all of those were in like September, where, but it did have two ACL tears and it had two shoulder injuries. Some teams are going to say, I don't want a quarterback with that kind of scar tissue already on his body the day he walks into our facility. Other teams might say, I don't care. It's all good. We are at a different stage of medical advancements than they were 10 or 15 or 25 years ago, and that kind of stuff is a thing of the past. But I want to make that mention now, Mel, because – it's going to imp like if Michael Penix slides relative to what people expect, I think people should be prepared for the medical conversation to be the driving factor behind that, as opposed to what we saw on the field this year, because he was special. I mean, he has been special all season. Uh, you're right. Maybe things tapered off a little bit down the stretch for Michael Penix Jr. He got a right and he can rocket it. And those receivers are great. They played in some serious elements games late in the season as well. Right. That game against Oregon State, it was like, you know, pouring like an inch an hour, basically, of rain. It was unbelievably difficult to throw the football for either team. They still found a way to win. There's a lot to like about Penix Jr., but I think if I were doing a grade that was just based off of where I think he deserves to go as opposed to where he will go, I'm with you. It'd be like around pick 50, Mel, because um, my general take on quarterbacks is that if I don't view you as a surefire starter, it's hard for me to have a first-round grade on you. And while there's certainly a path for Michael Penix Jr. to be a starter in the NFL— if you're asking yourself whether it's clear or not, hard to say he's worth a top 32 selection because as we know in this league, especially in the top 10 or 12 picks, you got to nail those picks. You have to nail them, Mel, because almost every year there's going to be 10, 12, 15 guys that no matter what year they're coming out, they merit that that top half, that first half of the round in round one conversation. So it'll be interesting to see how far Michael Pennis Jr. climbs or falls during the pre-draft process with the potential, of course, for two games remaining. Some of that same logic applies. If he plays a lot and plays well in the playoffs, we're going to be talking about him in a different way as well. Uh, let's get to Bo Nix because you talked about him, and I think people also view him in that same category. Uh, you know, Obviously, he his season is not involved in the playoffs, as they just missed. They had a great year at Oregon. Uh, they were outstanding against everybody but Washington, basically. Uh, Bo has changed the narrative about himself a lot, too, from his Auburn days. What's there like? What are some of the limitations in your estimation on Bo's game? Yeah, he doesn't have the rocket arm, but he yeah. gets the ball out so quick. And in that system, we talk about, is he a system quarterback or is it him? Is it the receivers, the system? Because we saw at Auburn. I can go back to a couple plays, and we all we all saw at Auburn. There were some signature moments for Bo Nix. Heck, at first start, he beat Justin Herbert. Yeah. When Herbert got him down to the 30-yard line and sailed one out of the end zone, I said, Justin, just put it in play. He yeah. sailed it out of the end zone in the final play of the game, and they end up winning the game, but Bo Nix did with Auburn. And he had some signature moments as well in the LSU game when I had fourth down. But it wasn't something that you said, boy, this guy looks like a future NFL quarterback. We never saw that at all. Right. Uh, a start, actually a starting quarterback, a successful starting quarterback. Now we get to where we are now after these two years. That's why it's important to have two years. And I keep t t screaming this to kids. 
one year is not enough. Michael Penix mm-hmm. needed two, and you still talked about field, and we're all talking about the injuries, right? Yeah. But now we're two years removed from those, not one year. For Bo Nix, we're two years removed now from Auburn, right? So we yeah. need Auburn to be a distant. We need those injuries for Michael Penix Jr. to be a distant memory. Mm-hmm. We need Auburn to be, did he ever play at Auburn? Oh, right. his father did, Patrick, but I don't, yeah. I, don't want, I don't remember Bo at Auburn. That's what we need to be thinking. We don't remember Bo at Auburn. Let's block totally. that out. Yeah. Let's go to Oregon. But the ball comes out so quick. He's got Franklin. He's got Johnson. He's got all. He's got two running backs doing it. The line's getting it done. He's got a lot of help going on there, right? So I think for Bo Nix, to your point about Michael Penix Jr., second round, third round is where you start saying, okay, are we sure he's going to be a successful starting quarterback? But we think there's some things we like about Bo Nix and Michael Penix that could maybe get us to that point. Then you start thinking second or third round for both those quarterbacks. Yeah, and Bo, I think some of the questions are going to be, and we've seen this this year a lot now, because as we know right now, it's been the year of teams using multiple quarterbacks, is that when things are are, are right around Bo Nix, he can be extremely successful. I mean, they had one of the best offenses in the entire country this past season. Bo did a remarkable job. His ball security was off the charts in terms of interceptions this season. That stuff is great. The question is, though, if you get drafted 12th overall, that implies that that team's got some serious roster holes, right? And are they going to have a Troy Franklin on the outside and a really capable offensive line and the Remington winner for the best center in the country uh, snapping the ball to every single play, right? And are you going to be facing the kind of defenses that Oregon might have faced on occasion out there in the now former Pac-12s? So I think the question that people are going to have at the NFL level is, how much can you raise an offense that might not necessarily be that great right now, right? And those three guys at the top, I think we feel like, if you put them, excuse me, not necessarily on every offense, because there are some downright bad offenses in the NFL right now, but on average, they're going to give you a chance to raise your ceiling right away. Whereas the quarterbacks in those following tiers, you might need to have some good pieces around them to expect improvements in a hurry. So we think those are probably the first five or six quarterbacks off the board. And then we get to the remaining of your top 10, Mel. We've got Michael Pratt from Tulane, Spencer Rattler from South Carolina, Jordan Travis, who, of course, coming off that major injury for Florida State. And then Joe Milton III from Tennessee, formerly of Michigan. Is there one of those guys that you see as like potentially the ceiling play? Like if you're going to take a shot on one of those guys as the dice roll, the upside play, who would it be? You would think because of the arm, Joe Milton, but I'm going to go with the Rattler. Yeah. I'm going to say Spencer Rattler because we had yeah, we thought, well, Oklahoma, he's going to end up being for Lincoln, Riley, a top pick. You know, he's going to be an elite guy. And he never got it. He goes to South Carolina. Never got to that point. Goes to South Carolina. Has his moments. Uh, he had some good receivers. Uh, Xavier Leggett's going to be a nice NFL player. Yep. Uh, you think about where we are right now in the evaluation of Spencer Rattler. There were some games this year where I said, man, I should move him up a little bit. He looks like he could be a starting quarterback, a successful one in the NFL. And other games where you say, ah, I don't think so. I'm not sure. Michael Pratt doesn't give you wow factor type arm strength and anything that you say, boy, I can say that's elite, but he's good in all areas. He's just one of those solid guys, been around a while. He's had success. Keep in mind the USC game last year when he outdueled Caleb and put up those big numbers, 40 plus points, and was lighting it up and running for first downs, making throws and coming through in the clutch for Tulane. Like if you go back to that game, I think the USC game in the bowl last year, I don't even know what bowl game it was, but the USC game, Yep. That's a game. When, and there's other games along the way, but the competition wasn't as good and the pressure and the expectations weren't what they were. He played to me, made some plays in that game that indicated, boy, I want to see him this year. And I saw some good things this year. So Michael Pratt's probably field 
a guy you start thinking about the fourth, fifth round area. I think day three, I think we'll be talking about Michael Pratt. I think it was yeah. a Dak Prescott went in the fourth round. And some other, you know, that's those years where we see guys slipping down. Kirk Cousins was what a fourth round pick, I believe. So you yep. get in that fourth, fifth round area. Some people think a little lower than that, but I'm going to say fourth, fifth round sixth round, somewhere in that day three area uh, when we're in Detroit and day three, and hopefully we're in some, some sunshine in Detroit, you know, uh, I don't know where we'll end up being, but I would think Michael Pratt's going to be a day three quarterback for somebody that maybe, maybe could end up being a starter in the NFL. I think people are wondering, and this is not necessarily the best question to ask just days after that Monday night performance, but people are saying, you know, once one thing happens, Mel, we expect it to happen over and over again. Can there be a Brock Purdy in this year's class? I'm here to tell you people that if a quarterback goes late in the seventh round, he's probably not going to turn out to be a starting quarterback for a very successful team. There's a reason why Brock's Purdy is a uh, Brock Purdy story is so unique and and compelling in so many ways. It's as unlikely as there possibly could be, basically. Um I'll make the case for Spencer Rattler a little bit further here, Mel. Some of the boxes that Brock Purdy did check were experienced quarterback. I mean, he played four years at Iowa State. He was a program raiser. Yep. Uh, He helped an Iowa State team that, you know, we we are big fans of Matt Campbell, their head coach. But they have uh, getting – he basically got the maximum out of that program during his time there. Him, Brees Hall, Will Anderson, you know, those are obviously some, you know, some highly touted players, Brock, Will, and Brees. But, like, I'm here to tell you that a lot of the guys they were playing with, are working in like you know corporate law now and not AOGs. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Um, Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma played with a bunch of future NFL players, but we'll remind people he was the favorite for the Heisman Trophy after his true freshman season. That's the kind of spectacle that he was commanding in his second year in Norm. Goes to South Carolina, and I don't know that South Carolina having a successful season is quite as improbable as Iowa State having the kind of success that they had with Brock Purdy. But in the SEC, if you're not Georgia, Alabama, LSU, I'm here to tell you, it's pretty impressive if you have an eight or nine win season in that conference. A lot of experience, good athlete. I thought at times this year, Mel, and the Georgia game might have been the best example of this. Spencer Rattler felt like he was trying to, like he was the guy that was just trying to get it all back in one play. You know, you're down 14. It's how can I throw a pass that will get me 14 points? When there, You can't, obviously. I mean, literally you can't. Uh, He was pressing a little bit more this year, uh, but this team was not as talented as the team a year ago uh, in South Carolina. So I think that Spencer Rattler might have something that might show obviously a ton of, you know, high character kid going to be, I think, do a very, all these guys we just mentioned will do a good job in the pre-draft process in terms of like showing they have the football makeup to be a potential starter in the NFL. But it wouldn't stun me if Rattler finds his way starting some games at some point in the first year or two of his career. Um, Mm-hmm. Go ahead, it was there a nice report that, that, that would have been nice if Marshawn Lloyd and Shaheen Bell and Juice Wells oh my would have God. been there. Yes. You know, Lloyd went yeah. out to USC, Bell went to Florida State, and then Juice Wells, unfortunately, was banged up and, and had Leggett's a heck of a player. So you're right, he would have had some more players around him, a little more help, uh, would have certainly benefited Spencer Rattler. So uh, every year, of, of course, the quarterback class is going to be the biggest talking point in the draft, especially when you have one that has you know the likely number one pick in it, whether it is Caleb Williams, Drake May, or Jaden Daniels. But just to put a pin in this conversation before we turn to some draft prospects that are going to play in a bowl game still, does the depth of this class stack up favorably compared to where we were a year ago? I'm sure it's. we know it's better than two seasons ago when just one quarterback went in the first round. That was Kenny Pickett. Is it as close to, is it close to the 2021 class when we had five first-round picks in the first 15 selections? Where would you sort of stack it up relative to recent drafts? 
I think we have a chance to have four. I think J.J. McCarthy being the fourth, I think you'll have a couple seconds. And sometimes when you don't go in the first, teams have questions enough to push you into the third or fourth. That's yeah. what a lot of times happens, Field. You know, remember Will Levis was considered by me to be a top five pick. Well, he got yeah. into the second and Tennessee traded up. He wasn't ever considered, for me, a second-round guy. Yeah. We're talking about Michael Penix in the second round, Bo Nix in the second round. So for them, you get to that point, and you don't think he's a first, but we say second, but a lot of teams say, well, if he's not a first, then we're not going to take him there, and he's a second. We, we got a debate within our room what kind of quarterback he can be as a starter. We're not going to draft a backup in the second round. we yeah. got to have a guy who could be the starter. You know, that's how these guys get pushed to the fourth round very quickly. Yep. Projected as a two, pushed to the fourth. Happens all the time. Why mm-hmm. did they slide, right? Because of the fact that teams have, have to have a consensus that this is the right man moving forward for us to say is our maybe heir apparent. Now, in terms of the other quarterbacks field, a lot of the guys, you mentioned Quinn Ewers and the guy I love, Shador Sanders. Shador's going back to play for his dad one more year. Hopefully he gets some more help and they're getting players in there. Carson Beck, one year as a starter. That's not enough. He yep. evidently had people telling him one year is not enough. Go back to Georgia and play year two and maybe become a top five pick in the first round, which he could be. So those guys are going back. Riley Leonard, Duke to Notre Dame, see yep. what he can do. Then you get down to Cameron Ward, Washington State from Internet Word, still out there. We'll see what he ends up doing. Surprise so he isn't. Yeah. He's going to Oregon. All these yep. guys that we thought would be in this draft field who would maybe be three to four other guys, including two first-rounders and Shador and Carson Beck, are going back, which is great for them. For the draft, though, it's not as phenomenal as it could have been had those quarterbacks been in this draft. Yeah, save those names for 2025 because we'll be talking about them a lot about one year from right now. All right, so we are just days away from the semifinals. Of course, New Year's Day, great way to spend New Year's Day watching the two semifinals. Of course, on the ESPN family of networks, Mel, we are company men here. Give me some players that stand out either from the remaining bowl games or the playoffs that you are looking forward to watching that could impact their draft stock. As I mentioned before, all my picks are from the college football semifinals. That's a smart move, Phil, because I don't know who I'll probably mention things to say, what's a Kuiper? What's he, what's wrong with him? Yeah, guys, I ain't I playing in the game. I yeah. don't I don't even want to go there. Uh, I just watch them, tape them, and go back. There's some kids that I've named listed names of from the bowls that have caught my eye. But for as far as the games, we know. That's why we need 25. We need we need 50 teams in a playoff field. Yeah, I'm it's into big, it. Let's have everybody in a playoff. Why not? Big money we'll making. Get some guys we can watch and, and that were with the team during the year. The Georgia Bulldogs right now were a 17 and a half point favorite over Florida State. Who's playing for this? We thought five against six was going to be really. Let's see if Florida State can make a statement. Georgia, yeah, there's no state. That can't come on. It, it has, it has yep. no cash in. No, because everybody is saying I'm not playing. But if you're in a playoff, you're going to play. And that's why I say. Put 50 teams in a daggone playoff. So yeah. now, luckily, next year we got 12, right? Well, we should have had 12 this year, but then there was an ACC that didn't necessarily want it. Well, why is Florida State not playing? Because your ACC commissioner didn't want it, okay? So blame the right people here. Now, in terms of, of players for the semifinal field, beyond the quarterback we talked about with JJ, yep. there's a linebacker at Michigan by the name of Junior Colson. Yeah. Junior Colson has cast on his hands. All he does is lead this team in tackles, let him in tackles this year, let him in tackles. Uh, two years ago, let him in tackles again this year, despite not being 100%, but yet being out there every week, his whole career, three yep. years out there every game. He does everything you want. He's a great leader. He's a great team. He's everything. So I, Junior Colson to me, very underrated player as an off-ball linebacker. I, the Alabama kids, Chris Braswell, the other guy with Dallas Turner, local kid here from my area, 
field. Yep. Had a heck of a year. He increased in all areas. His sack production is getting after the quarterback. His pressure is forcing three fumbles. He's a kid. The other corner opposite McKinstry and Terry and Arnold. How yeah. does he go in this game? Now, they don't have that true number one. We talk about Roman Wilson's going to be a slot guy. He's not a true number one. But you want to, Jermaine Burton, the receiver for Alabama, had a, a decent year last year coming from Jordan. This year, he was really good field. Yep. So I want to see him continue on and doing some things there. I think when you look at, at Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy the second, yeah. the two defensive tackles for Texas, what do they do there? Jalen Ford, the off-ball linebacker for Texas. So, yeah, I've covered a lot of base. I'm going to leave some other skill people feel. I know you'll touch on for Texas, but it's going to be phenomenal to watch these kids in these semifinal games because there's an awful lot of NFL talent on the field. There sure is. We had some crossover there. A couple of players that I had earmarked beyond JJ were, of course, Byron Murphy the second, who, you know, I think that Tavondre Sweat's ceiling is clearly pretty higher. I mean, pretty, uh, it's clearly higher than uh, Byron Murphy the second. But I think there is a consistency that Byron Murphy the second has that NFL scouts are going to love. You know exactly what you're getting from him every single play. I mean, the guy's character is off the charts good. Uh, he is going to be Mr. Reliable the moment you add him to your roster. Does everything like pretty well. Five sacks this season, maybe more pursuit type sacks than like, you know, quick beat your guard or beat your center and just wrap up the quarterback, but plays hard, low. He's a stouter guy. He's a shorter defensive tackle than you might necessarily build in a lab for your prototypical defensive tackle. But man, he is relentless. He's tough. He's consistent. You mentioned Terry on Arnold, Mel, and I was thinking about the Ravens on Monday night. And Marlon Humphrey, obviously, is a first-round pick. Kyle Hamilton, a first-round pick. But they've also got guys who are safeties that have become corners, guys that are picked up off the scrap heap, like Ronald Darby. You've got guys that have been special teamers that are playing prominent roles now. And I was thinking, like, what is the common thread that brings them all together? And maybe it helps because they've got some good players in the linebacking core and they've got a good front. But I was thinking about one thing they do especially well we saw Monday night. These guys play through the football consistently. And if you can't find a way to dislodge the ball a decent amount at the NFL level, you're going to have a problem. And that's what Terry Arnold does. He may not be as sort of naturally, reactively athletic as Kool-Aid McKinstry, who's just so loose and fluid. But Terry Arnold is tough. He is going to make you earn it. Five interceptions this season, 11 PBUs this year. The kind of corner that you can imagine Nick Saban loves having on his side. Uh, the only other name that I had written down that we had not mentioned before is Braylon Trice, Washington edge rusher, who uh, kind of had a slow start to the season sack production-wise, Mel, but he finally got going. He's got four over his past six games. Powerful edge rusher. I don't think he's going to be an off-the-charts athlete. A guy like you know Jared Verst or Dallas Turner is going to wow relative to somebody like Braylon Trice. But, man, he, he just found a way to consistently disrupt opposing quarterbacks in the pocket. And it may not be the prettiest or most effective pass rush, but he got the job done. Field, to go back to one of the players that you were talking about, and I'm going to go, and I like the kid. I think Terry and Arnold is a kid. I think he's a first-rounder. I think when yeah. all said and done, he's going to be a first-rounder. Uh, and I think when you look at being a little handsy, a little grabby, but you say playing through it and finishing and, and having the length, and being an aggressive football player, plays with high energy, high energy kids, smart, high football IQ. Terry and Arnold improved from last year to this year to the point where I think we're going to see Terry and Arnold in round one. I really mm. do. And I think yeah. when you look at, you know, Mikey Sainris still is a former receiver turned slot corner for Michigan. He's a smart – I look at Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton was an old miss making yeah. plays. I mean, the NFL, he's hung around. He's done a good job. Solid career. I don't even think he got drafted. Okay. 
Mikey Singer still, and also Shaday Barron. Shaday mm. Barron is a kid from Texas coming off the edge. He gets sacks. He gets after the quarterback. He's he's just a thorn in the side of opposing quarterbacks. Sangra still is exactly that kind of player. You're thinking about what the fourth round area for both those kids there. For, for Texas, Adonai Mitchell, Georgia transfer, and Xavier Worthy, the two receivers, and Jadavion Sanders, the tight end. There's so many weapons in that arsenal for Quinn Ewers. And Arch Manning's not going to have them next year because they're going to the NFL. But for this one game, and hopefully two for Texas with Quinn Ewers at quarterback, those guys, this is their time to shine. They've been excellent. Unfortunately, Jonathan Brooks, the great running back, his yeah. numbers weren't that far off from Bijan. You know, Jonathan Brooks was having a heck of a year until he got hurt. And he, to me, was the best running back in this draft. But he's not coming off the injury, so he'll get pushed down a bit. But it's a shame that Texas's offense doesn't have the great running back available as well. Uh, but I think those two receivers, Adonai Mitchell, has really come on. And he had a couple touchdown catches in the Alabama upset at Tuscaloosa early in the year. So he's the kind of kid, was at Georgia, came to, to Texas, and has done a whale of a job. And we'd like to save your worthy all the way through the process. So it's going to be really interesting to see how these kids do in this big stage. Devondre Sweat, not only are you a clogger, but you're a penetrator. That's yeah. why you can't run the ball against Texas because of Sweat and Murphy. So and Ford, and Ford, the off-ball linebacker, freed up to float in the football. Jalen yeah. Ford is a heck of a player. So it's going to be really interesting if Dylan Johnson can have any success to give Penix Jr. a little balance in that offense. Because up till now, against Texas, they force you to be one-dimensional field. Sure. And that's why Texas is where they are right now with a chance to play maybe for a national title. And you know it's a good sign when uh, a guy in Alfred Collins from Texas, who I think has started like one game in his career, might also get drafted. Another defensive tackle for Texas. Defensive lineman. Bowl, Phil? I think he might not be in a Phil, uh, field. Is he going to senior bowl? I'm not sure. I you know I haven't seen the announcement yet, but you know what? That also does not mean that it's po it's possible it had been announced, and I just haven't seen it. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised a bit because a lot of tools there, Mel. He doesn't play all that much because of the fact that they've got so much depth. Uh, but if you look at his best reps, you can be very intrigued by what he brings to the table. Long, yeah, by the way, when I, say, when I say when I say Phil, you know why I say Phil? You mentioned Senior Bowl. Yeah, Phil Savage. Phil right? Savage. Right? I'll take it. Yeah, I remember, I remember Savage. Phil Savage. Of course, now we got uh, Nags, Jim Nagy doing a great job down at the Senior Bowl. So, you know, Phil did a great job as well. I, I say Senior Bowl, Phil. Yeah, <laughs> okay, now I'll Nags. take it. So, there you go. Now, that's always a great opportunity for kids to improve their stock. But in terms of of these these four teams, I think the one were the only there's only one that I'm amazed, and I shouldn't be amazed, but I am amazed. I thought yeah. they had three losses as Alabama. Yeah, totally. You see Texas. You certainly look at Washington. They had a chance because they had all those receivers and the quarterback coming back. And then we look at Michigan. That was my pick to win a national title in August. So no surprise there. But Alabama field, I thought three to four losses this year. Boy, mm. was I wrong? I mean, uh, people say, well, they should have had two. They should have lost the Auburn game. It was a hell yeah. They could have had three if they lost the Bowl game, but they don't. They got one, yeah. right? Totally. So, I know. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> it's a field. It's amazing what Alabama has accomplished this year, considering seven of the top eight tackles, quarterback, running back, tight end, and three offensive linemen. But there's Nick. Yeah, there's Nick. Nick. Mel, Nick. They benched their quarterback. They benched Jalen Milrow earlier this year, and they're playing in the national semifinals. And I get it. It was a short benching, but still, I mean, there was a reason why we were talking about it intensely for a couple-week period all the way back in late September or early October. Uh, here's the truth. If you're going to watch the college football semifinals, you're going to watch probably about, I don't know, 60 or so future NFL players. And that might be a conservative number because all four of these teams have a major, major pipeline right now. And if you're watching the college football semifinals, you were just getting yourself set for many more episodes of First Draft because once January hits, Mel, we are going to be 
very busy with all the draft coverage you could possibly want. Uh, any? Do we have any like mock drafts are coming out anytime soon that you're aware of? What do you have next? I my first. I was never one to jump the gun because I want these juniors to figure yeah. it out. Yeah, I don't want to be putting juniors who are going back to college in a mock first round. Yep. So I wait until mid-January. Once the declaration day is over, yep. they have another. They have an early signing. They have a later. They can wait till certain. I think it's like middle of January always. Right? I think it's like the 19th. I think is that what it might think is the 19th. Or so. I'll, I'll yep. be. I'll be the usually that Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday after the date of declaration. So whenever it is the next week, that'll be mock one. But I, there I we go. Just, uh, it's, it's a it's a novel idea. I know who's in the daggone draft. I know, crazy, right? <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. Top 25 big boards. Mach 1.0 is going to be when we know and it's defined who is in this draft. Who's not going to the portal in April, yeah. next portal opening, or who's not who's not going to decide to go back to college. I want the questions to be answered. So my Mach 1.0 is going to be at that point, it'll be pre-senior bowl and it'll be updated again. Mach 2.0 is after senior bowl. Mach 3.0 after the combine. 4.0 yep. is early April after the pro days. And 5.0 is the morning of the draft. So there's method to the madness as the when I tried to, to stack those those five mock drafts uh, fielded. I, hey, when's your first one coming out? I believe mine comes out right after the, I think it's right after the Super Bowl is what they told me. So uh, I get a little more leeway than you as the rookie. You know, they're like, they're saying, hey, you know, take I, your so time you're gonna be, here. You know what you're going to be doing? I'm going to do the Mach 1.0. It feels going to be there to critique it. That's right. I'll, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, I'll be critiquing. The mistakes I, made. I get the easy job out of the gates and then I get to, uh, <laughs> then I think a little more difficult. Like I advance to the AP course by mid-February and you'll be critiquing me, I'm sure, with plenty yeah. of plenty of thoughts because, uh, Lord knows that uh, mock drafts are fun, but they uh, they also invite their share bit of criticism, their fair bit of criticism, I should say, Mel. As you know, uh, although you do a good job of drowning it out relative to most of us here who pay way too much attention to the comment sections on the internet. Don't uh, go there, Phil. I, I can tell Don't you bust. one thing. That's what people always say to me. Did you, nothing bothers you. Can say, I can tell the, all the internet world, yeah. you can say whatever you want about me. Yep. I'm not going to know it. I'm not going to hear it, and I don't I care know. about it. So okay. nothing bothers me because I don't read it, don't hear it, don't see it, don't know it. I'm oblivious. Okay. Well, you know what? I might have to adopt your strategy right there, Mel, because it does seem like a much well, better way to live. It's a healthier strategy. It is way healthier for all of us yeah. involved. Well, this was fun as always, Mel. We are back in a couple of weeks here on First Draft. And we'll have some exciting news about like the future of the First Draft show and where you might be able to consume it beyond the podcast and the YouTube version. So for Mel Kuyper Jr., I'm Field Yates. Enjoy the college football playoff semifinals. And if my math is correct, less than one month until Mel's Mach 1.0.